Let's get right to it this morning. We're continuing our, our study on Joseph. We are now, I believe, on, I'm starting to lose count, week nine here. And um, God's got something special this morning. God's got something really special, and I'm believing for just a transformative, awesome time. And I love the songs that we sang this morning because all of it was about, I really believe God is going before us in this moment that we're in right now. I believe he's protecting us. I believe he is that light in darkness right now. And there's a lot of things we're going to be talking about this morning where we need the Lord to be protecting us because the enemy is going to try and come in and infiltrate and mess this moment up. But God's already said, no, 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 I'm out the doors. I'm here. I'm already in this place. And so we can begin to talk freely over this this morning. Uh, I'm going to just briefly read where we left off last week to give us a little bit of context. We're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 42, starting in verse 1. It says, when Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. So Joseph's 10 older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain, but Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother, Benjamin, go with them for fear some harm might come to him. Okay, so that's where we're at. Joseph's brothers are going to, except for Benjamin, are going to go to Egypt and buy grain from him. Okay, that's what's happening in this moment. We are now in, in this story that we're reading about today. We are two years into the seven years of famine. Okay, so it's been going on for a little while, but it's got a lot longer to go. And the title of today's sermon is Honest Repentance, okay? Because what we're going to see over these next actually three chapters that we're going to look at today is, is, a, is the journey to true repentance, okay? It's the process of, again, true and honest repentance. And what I'm believing for today is for all of us to get a new revelation of what repentance, true, honest repentance really is. Okay, and it's so important that we understand that because listen, y'all, I'm believing, we're believing here as a church for awesome things, for revival to take place here at Beaches Chapel, but it does not begin with a cool lighting system, an awesome worship song, or even a dynamic preacher, okay? It happens, that, was, that wasn't a joke. <laughs> he thinks he's dynamic. <laughs> wasn't alluding to me, but now I know, okay, we can take that off the shelf. Yeah. yeah, right. I'm, I'm something. Um, it doesn't happen with those things. It happens when the church comes together and falls on their knees in repentance. Because until we know that we need a savior, guess what? We don't need a savior. But when we can look in the mirror and see ourselves and, and honestly, y'all, I'm going to beat that word into your brain this morning. Honestly, go to the Lord in true repentance. Revival takes place. Because what we experience in those moments, that love and that grace and that freedom, that's what we want to spread. We don't invite people because, oh, you got to check out the lighting system here, all right? You got to check this and that out and all the other stuff. No, what we, 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 we sell, what we tell people about is you got to check out this Savior yes. that set me free and wants to set you free too. Yes. And it begins with honest repentance. So let's pick it up in uh, verse 5 here of Genesis 42. So, so Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with others to buy food, for the famine was in Canaan as well. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? he demanded. 
From the land of Canaan, they replied, we have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Okay, so a lot going on here. First thing that I want to mention is when it says that when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Okay, check this out. Dream fulfilled, right? So we go all the way back to when uh, Joseph's still living with his family and he's a teenager. He's got that awesome coat on and he tells him, hey, guess what, guys? I know y'all don't like me, but check this out. You're going to bow down to me one day, right? Well, here it is. It happened all these years later, 22 years later. And Joseph had every right in this moment as they're bowing down to him to go, ha, told you, remember it's me, dream fulfilled, boom, right? And just throw it in their face and say, here, I told you, and look what you did, and now look where you are. You're bowing down to me. I told you so. And you know what's crazy? You know what's, you know what's the, the most bizarre thing? Is that a lot of us, when we don't understand repentance and we don't understand God, we actually think that he might respond to us in that way. That when we go before him and we bow and we have all this baggage and all these mess ups, that he's gonna go, ha ha ha, I told you so. And he's gonna condemn us and he's gonna shame us. He's gonna make us feel less. And so we don't go to him and we're not honest with him. Instead, we hide these things in our heart and we keep them all to ourselves because we're afraid of how he's going to react. But just like Joseph here, even with all the right that God has to say, yeah, you really messed up. You forgot about me, didn't you? You tried to do it your own way. And he has every right to say those things because we're guilty of all those things. He doesn't because that's not who he is. And that's not who Joseph was in this moment. And it says that he spoke harshly to them. I want to touch on that for a minute. Because, listen, harsh words are not mean words, okay? If you're a parent, right, and you speak to your kids, sometimes you have to speak to them harshly. That doesn't mean that you don't love them. That doesn't mean that you're being mean to them. That doesn't mean that you hate them or are embarrassed by them or anything like that. It just means that in that moment, they need some harsh words. Amen? Parents, right? Even, even so far as your friends or your, your loved ones, sometimes we have to be a little harsh, but that doesn't mean that we're not doing it in love. And it's in those moments we forget because, because just like J, uh, Joseph's brothers, in the situations where we're, we're being disciplined, right? Where God is after our heart, we don't recognize him because we confuse his harsh words with mean words. And Jacob, Joseph's brothers didn't recognize him. Listen, y'all, God's in everything. He is in every situation that we're in. We don't need to look for him or ask, are you here? He's there. And just because he might be speaking a little harsh to you doesn't mean that he loves you any less. What he's trying to do is get you to a place where you can be honest with him so he can rip out those things that you're struggling with. But if we continue to just give it halfway to him, and not give him everything, he can't do it. And so he is going to be after each one of us. And sometimes, y'all, I hate to burst your bubble, but it means God, the, the creator of heaven and earth, is going to have to speak a little harsh to us. But you know what? Praise God, because we need it. I don't know about y'all, but I certainly do. It's, you know, I love that we, we, we sing these songs, you know, in, in, in church, you know, uh, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. We, ne we never sing, your discipline is running after, you know, your harsh words are after. 
but that's, that's true. You know, we love, we love the worship songs that are fluffy and we get to walk on clouds and Woo, all right, I feel good. We don't want to sing about the discipline, you know, but, but there is that to God, okay? He is our heavenly father and we are children and we mess up all the time. But listen to what the Bible says. Revelations 3, 19 says, those whom I love, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So check this out. So be zealous and repent. All right? Be zealous and repent. All right? We got to talk about repentance more in the church. I'm just saying. God moves. All right, let's pick it up in verse 9. It says, And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, No, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. Here, here it is. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, No, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, We, your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. Okay, so here we have the brothers saying to Joseph in the same breath, we are honest men, we are your servants, and one of our brothers is dead. So while they are confessing that they are honest and that they are servants of Joseph, they are in the same breath lying to him. Unrepentance makes us want to lie to God. And if you'll notice, they didn't lie all the way. They said a lot of truths. They're the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. True. And behold, the youngest in this day is with our father. True. And one is no more. False. Not true repentance. Halfway. And here's the thing, y'all. 22 years, these brothers have been telling this lie. Let's just think about it for a second. Going all the way back, when they told Jacob, their dad, here's the coat. It's got blood on it. He must have died, right? And that's what they assumed. So in that moment, lie number one. Well, they have to continue telling that lie. And who knows, maybe there was, maybe there was a memorial service for Joseph. I'm see, maybe, why wouldn't they, right? Or something that remembers the life of Jacob's favorite son. Don't you think he would want to do something for him? So every guest, every friend, everybody that they come in contact with that asks about Joseph, they have to say he's dead. 22 years of a lie that they had to live. Listen, God is in the business of uprooting the things in our life that we feel like we have to lie about over and over and over again to where the point where in this moment in the brothers' lives, they might even actually believe it. Because it's way easier to believe this lie than it is to actually tell everybody what really happened. It's easier for them to say he's dead than to say, you know what, actually we sold him into slavery while he was begging for his life in a cistern. It might be easier on the outside, but on the inside, it wrecks you. And here's the thing, y'all, when it comes to, to repentance, and it has to be honest because anything else, anything else directs us away from God. Honesty brings us to him because God is truth, right? He is truth, and that's what he operates in. 
But what he wants is not to torture us or belittle us. He wants to rip those hurts and these lies that we feel like we have to tell out of our heart. But we have to be honest with him. And we have to be honest with him all the way. Verse 14, but Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Uh Uh-oh. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested. Here it is, y'all. Whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God. If you are honest men, you think he's trying to get after something here? Let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody. And the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, here it is. This is what they say. In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. Do you think they've been walking around with a little guilt in their heart? He says, that is why this distress has come upon us. So there is a tug of war happening between truth and lies. And God is after truth in our hearts. And Joseph is testing them and trying to get truth out of them. That's why he keeps saying, if you are telling the truth, if you are honest men, then do this. And they immediately confess, and you need to know that Joseph in this moment is, is speaking Egyptian. He's using an interpreter. So as they're confessing their guilt, they're doing it right in front of him. All right? And they don't think that he can understand. How hilarious is that, by the way? Not just with the brothers, but us. That we think we can lie to God without him actually knowing the truth. Like we're speaking some other language that he can't understand. That's hilarious. All right? But that's what they say here. And it says, that's why this distress has come upon us. Verse 22, and Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there's come a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. And he returned to them and spoke to them and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack, and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. Okay, listen, y'all, this is so... Two things I want to take from this little chunk. One, we have Reuben, who says what? This is y'all's fault. I told you not to do this. And so when we have an unrepentant heart, first thing is we lie about it, and the second thing is we start pointing the finger at everybody else. It's your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault. And we fail to look at ourselves. And that's exactly what Reuben does right here. He says, I told you not to do this. This wasn't the plan and it's your fault that this is happening to us because what Joseph is saying is, hey, keep this brother here in jail. Y'all go home, I'm gonna use this brother as collateral. Go home and bring this younger brother back. And I wanna see if y'all are really telling the truth or not or if you're actually spies, like I suspect. Wink, wink, nod, nod. And Reuben's saying, this is y'all's fault. This is your fault that this is happening. So we finger point. We lie. Does this sound like healthy living to you all? Not to me. 
Verse 26, then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sack. He said to his brothers, my money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this their hearts failed them, and they turned trembling to one another, saying, what is this that God has done to us? Listen, y'all, a guilty conscience leads to negative thinking, okay? A guilty conscience leads to negative thinking. And what we see here is that in the midst of them being disciplined, God is still providing for them. And we need to understand that. God doesn't discipline us by saying, all right, good luck. I'll see you later. Have at it. I'd like to see how you are without me. No, in the midst of him disciplining us, he's still a good God. And he still provides for us. And what I love in the verse before that is how it says that uh, in verse 24, he turned away from them and he wept. Joseph hearing this, remember, he can hear every word that they're saying and everything that they're going through. It's like he can, he can read their heart in this moment. And it, and it makes him weep. I want to tell you something. God weeps over the sin in our life. He does not point to it and say, ah, ha, ha, I told you so. He hates it. He hates that we deal with it. He weeps over us, y'all. He wants what's best for us. He wants us to rid, uh, he wants our hearts rid of these things. Just as Joseph was looking at his brothers and he sees the turmoil that these last 22 years have been for them. He's not trying to get on them. He's weeping over them. The same brothers that sold him into slavery. He is weeping over, and that is how God is with us. He sees you in your moment. He sees you in, in your hurt, in your shame, in your guilt, and he's not trying to make an example of you. He's weeping over you. We don't need to worry about pointing fingers at anybody or lying or doing this or that. What we need to do is trust him. We need to trust him. It's amazing that these brothers are given their money back. They're given their money back and they see it as a curse. They see it as God punishing them. That's that guilty conscience lead, leading to negative thinking. They didn't even see it as a blessing for them. And I, I gotta be honest with y'all. Again, going back to our understanding of repentance. Listen, repentance is the free grain. All right? God says, here you go. Here's, here's, here's the free grain for you that is meant to be a gift for you that you don't have to pay a thing for. And you know what we see it as? As a curse. We say, no, no, God, you're after this. You're doing harm to me because now I have to come to you and be honest with you. And I don't know what you're gonna do. I don't know what you're gonna do to me. I don't know how you're gonna punish me when the whole time he's weeping over us. And so we reject the free grain. We reject the gift of repentance because we think it's a curse. And it's not, y'all. It is not. It is a blessing. It is the greatest gift that God has given us. It is a commandment that he has put before us for our good. It is for our good. Let's get down to uh, verse 35. We're going to skip down there. It says, As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack, and when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. There it is. So they get free grain and they're afraid because it was free. And Jacob, their father, said to them, Father of the year moment right here. You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. 
what? <laughs> like, if, if I'm Simeon and I hear this, I'm like, well, I'm not dead. I'm just in jail, you know, uh, still here. You can come get me. But he's already just decided Simeon's dead. That's it. And now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with the sorrow to Sheol. In other words, when he is told that the only way to get Simeon back is to bring Benjamin to Egypt, he just writes Simeon off as dead. And he says, if anything were to happen to Benjamin, that's it. And I would die in my sorrow. I would never recover because he's the only one I have left. My goodness. Father of the year, right? All right, let's, let's go to Genesis 43. We're going to pick it up in verse 11 here. It says, Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man, a little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Anyone besides me think it's kind of crazy they had gum back then? Um, Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise. Go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man. And may he send back your other brother and Benjamin. As far for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. It's kind of just given up here, right? But listen, y'all, there's something so important in what Jacob is saying here that we need to understand. And it's also absolutely ridiculous. He is telling his sons, go to this guy, meaning Joseph, the most powerful man in the world. All right. He is at the top of the most powerful nation in the entire world. And it's not even close. And he's saying, do this. Make a deal with him. Give him some pistachios. All right. Give him a little honey. And some gum and myrrh from Canaan. All right? And maybe, just maybe, that'll put us in his good graces. Joseph has everything at his disposal. All he has to do is snap his finger. And he wants some pistachios from Canaan. All he's got to do is close his eyes, point to a servant, say, you, pistachios, go. And that, that, that steward, that slave's going to go, and he's going to bring it back, and he's going to have some pistachios from Canaan. He does not need Jacob's little old meager gifts to appease him in any way, shape, or form. But oh my Lord Jesus, do we do that with God all the time. We go to him and say, God, if, here, here's the deal, all right? I'm going to be better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I promise I'm going to sign up and I'm going to help with the block party if you would just forgive me. And by the way, that, that works. We'll take it. I'll stop there. Um, you know, I wish we got credit for the things that we didn't say. But, you know, in heaven, I guess we do. But it's not fair. I want to be like, you know, I was going to say this joke, and I didn't. So y'all should thank me for that. Uh, that's, that's growth, all right? That's growth. Um, but God, if I just do this, here's a little offering here, and here's a little bit here. Here's something that you might like of mine, creator of the heavens and the earth. Where heaven, the streets are gold. 
and there's colors that we don't even know, and animal, all this stuff. But yeah, here's some pistachios, right? It doesn't make any sense. But for some reason, in our brain, we feel like when we go to God, we have to make a deal with him for him to forgive us. Here's the deal, y'all. The deal is this. God said, I sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so you don't have to do a thing. That's the deal. That's the deal. The veil is torn and now we can go to him freely. We can go to him daily. We can go to him honestly and say, here it is. I'm not gonna lie about it. I'm not gonna point fingers and blame anybody else. I'm not gonna try and make a deal with you. I'm just gonna say, forgive me. I need you. I need my savior. I have nothing to offer you except my heart. And God's gonna say, that's exactly what I want. That's what I want. But we have to be honest with him. And here it comes. Les, we're going to go all the way down to Genesis 44. Before we read it, just a little bit to catch up, because there's a lot in this. There's the whole progress, the whole uh, the journey to true repentance for these brothers takes a lot. What happens is they finally get back to Egypt. Joseph has a lunch with them, and then he sends them on their way with more grain. But he says to his steward, hey, put my cup in Benjamin's sack. Okay, and then go, let them leave and then go catch up to them and accuse them of stealing from me. And so he does. And he accuses them and the brothers say, listen, we haven't stolen from you. We honor you. And as a matter of fact, we're so confident that we didn't steal from you that you can put to death anyone that might have the Joseph's cup in their sack. Whoops. Because that's Benjamin. And we know how Jacob feels about Benjamin. That's not good. And so that happens. And when the cup comes out of Benjamin's sack, he's the last one that they check. You can just see their hearts just sink. It's like we're done. This is all a punishment for what we've done. And so rather than letting Benjamin go back to Egypt by himself, all of the brothers go back. And this is what Judah says to Joseph. Judah, by the way, is the one who had the whole um, idea to sell Joseph into slavery in the first place. And this is what he says. In chapter 44, starting in verse 30. And now, my Lord, I cannot go back to my father without the boy. Our father's life is bound up in this boy's life. If he sees that the boy is not with us, our father will die. We, your servants, will indeed be responsible for sending that grieving white-haired man to his grave. My Lord, I guaranteed my father that I would take care of the boy. I told him, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame forever. So please, my Lord, let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. For how can I return my father if the boy is not with me? I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father, the same father who just said that Benjamin's the only one left. The same father who said, none of y'all count. And he's been saying that for 22 years. Now Judah all of a sudden is saying, I'm done. Take me. And in this moment, he's not just giving himself. Remember, it's been 22 years. He's got a wife. He's got kids. He's saying, I'm gonna give them up for a dad who never even loved me in the first place. But here I am. I'm done making excuses. I'm done blaming anybody. I'm at my end. And sadly, that's a lot of times where we have to be before we are honest with God. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
We don't have to be at our end. We don't have to wait that long. We can go to him every single day, day after day, not to the point where we have nothing left. I want the band to come on up. Because it all leads to this moment. And here's where the truth is with all of this, okay? Here is Joseph's response. And it is, listen, y'all, if you don't hear anything today, listen to this. Listen to Joseph's response to this confession, to this, to this brother that has done all these things to him, the very one who was the catalyst for Joseph being sold into slavery. In, ver, in chapter 45, starting in verse 1, it says, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and he wept. He wept so loudly, the Egyptians could hear him, and, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. He said, I am Joseph. He said to his brothers, Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please, come closer, he said to them. Come closer, he said to them. Come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Check this out, y'all, verse five. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Joseph's reaction to Judah just saying, here I am, this is all of me. He weeps uncontrollably and he immediately relieves their guilt and their shame that they've been carrying for 22 years. He didn't expose them. He didn't belittle them. He didn't make them feel less. Anything like that. He, he said, come close to me. Come close to me. And I will take that weight of unrepentance off of you and I'll set you free. And you know what they did? They came close to him. But it's a two-way street. As God is calling us, he's calling us to him. You know what the Bible says? It says that God rejoices over us and he dances over us. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't sentence us to things when we finally get up the courage to be honest with him and what is going on in our lives and in our heart. He dances over us and he weeps because he wants us to be set free. It goes on in verse nine. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there. For there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your animals will starve. Then Joseph added, look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I am really Joseph. Go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, I love this right here. They began to talk freely with him. For the first time in the history of their family, in this moment, they're able to talk freely to Joseph. Oh man, I married so-and-so. Really, how's that going? It's going great, I got 18 kids, right? I'm doing good. 
man, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm doing pretty good too. Tell dad to come on. We'll take care of him. Everything that you have, bring it with you. Everything that you have, bring it with you and let's embrace and let's, let's be a family again for the first time ever. I honestly believe that it took Joseph being in this position that he's in with all this power and all this authority for them to truly forgive themselves. Like Joseph could have done whatever he wanted with them and he chose to forgive them. I think that meant everything to them. Like, wow, in those 22 years of lying, of finger pointing, of bargaining, of guilt and shame and having this thing, right? And we've all been there. Maybe you're there right now. As you're sitting there right now, you have this thing that is in your heart and you've tried to bury it and you pretend it's not there, but you know every day something happens where you're reminded of it and you don't know what to do with it and it has imprisoned you. God's saying, I can set you free. The deal has been done. Jesus died. There's your free grain. Don't be afraid of it. But you gotta be honest with me. You can't tell a little bit of the truth. I need all of it because it's only when I get all of it that I can get all of it out. Otherwise, you're gonna leave a little bit and that's gonna still be rooted in your heart. So do you trust me enough to be honest with me and understand that I'm not gonna judge you, that I'm not gonna make you feel lesser, but I, I'm gonna rejoice with you and I'm gonna say, come closer. Be with me. I'm gonna embrace you. And that's what God wants to do with each and every one of us, y'all. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you so that you would never have to bargain with him, so that you would never have to lie to him, so that you never have to blame anybody else or yourself. You could just say, God, here it is. I accept this gift of repentance that you've given me. Will you be honest with him? Will you be honest with him? We're gonna take communion now. I think it's so fitting that we do on this day because all of this is made possible because Jesus died on the cross. But before we do that, I want all of us in here to proudly and loudly pray this prayer of salvation. And maybe you're praying it for the 50,000th time. That's amazing, hallelujah. Let's profess that this morning. And then maybe you're praying it for the very first time. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus is after your heart. He doesn't want to make you some person you're not. Joseph told his dad, bring everything you have here. And God wants all of you. Without any deal, without any stipulation, stop trying to do it on your own. I've said this before and I can't stand it. When we say, uh, as soon as I get my life together, then I'll go to Jesus. It doesn't work, all right? Don't hold your breath. It doesn't work and that's not what God wants. He wants to take those things from you. He wants to take that sin off of you and make you a new person. Listen, these brothers were new after this. They were new. 
and he wants to do the same thing for you. But just remember, he's not a God that's going to condemn you or make you feel less. So please, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice, for coming down to earth, for living, for dying, for being raised again, for me. I accept this gift of salvation and I ask you to come into my heart and to be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me and that the deal has been done. In Jesus' name, amen.